everybody. Welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode we're discussing the albums that we've selected for 1992. I'm your host, Michael. John's on the other side. Hello, hello. Uh, what we do is we both choose uh, uh, top 10 albums of a year. Uh, we are now in the year 1992, like I said. Uh, so we'd each do one album apiece. And uh, we might as well just roll with it. Uh, who's going first? Flip quarter, and it says you. <laughs> okay, it says me. Alrighty. Well, I think I will start ours off with uh, Megadeth's Countdown to Extinction. Which would have made my list, but uh, that was on like the very edge. Well, and that was why one of the reasons why I wanted you to make a pick is 92 was a year of so many great releases that I had, you know, I, I needed you to take some of the burden off me because yeah. I really couldn't. The list that I have would go on, and I just hit the mic, go on so further, you know. But this one is probably Megadeth's most musically and conceptually consistent album. I mean, it's not a concept album or anything, but it does spend most of its running time, you know, covering a ton of societal issues, you know. You have Proclosure About a Dream, which is about economic and social inequality, Architects of Aggression, which is about the, the Iraq War. Uh, same thing, Ashes in Your Mouth also does global conflicts. Uh, Countdown Extinction is basically about how shitty we're treating the earth and animals. Captive Honor is about prison. You know, Sweating Bullets and Skin of My Teeth are about mental instability. Mm -hmm. It's like, all the like, two of these songs are have some sort of political or social you know, thought to it. Yeah, this is the first one really that broke through to the mainstream, like mainstream, mainstream, like showed on MTV, like during the regular hours, not hit Banger's Ball. But it went yeah. double platinum. I think it's still their biggest album. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it is their, it's their most con commercial sound to it. And it basically, it's their black album. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the only I think the only one that ever had any songs that hit the top forty as well. Yeah, when well, maybe euthanasia, but no, I would probably or or uh, cryptic writings maybe. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, this is again being the most their most commercial album, the one that it, this is the album that if I was going to throw. You know, a Megadeth album at someone. This is the one I would pick because this is the easiest one to absorb. It has some of the biggest bangers of their entire career on it. Well, High Speed well. Dirt is, I think, the best opening they've had on any of their albums. Yeah, it's there's a lot of lot of fun on this, and again, there's a lot of stuff where, with how clean the vocals are, you uh, you know, it's like you're not necessarily missing anything. Right. So yeah, this is. This is a hell of an album. You should check it out. And John, uh, what's your first one? Okay, so the first one is going to be a weird one. Uh, it's going to get more eclectic, I think, from here on out. Um, because I think there's a few years there where I was just stuck in like alternative land. But Invoke, Funky Divas. I absolutely oh. adored this album growing up. It, and, and mind you, a little bit of it, I'm going to be straight honest with you, was uh, <laughs> I was 15, boobies. Uh, also, just to take that out of the equation, though, they're really great album, great songs, but 15, oh, I was yeah. like, oh! Yes, yes, there's very much a... Uh, when you're just talking about the videos and stuff, there's a lot of sexuality to these ladies, and they own it, and that's actually one of the things that makes uh, what I would say is really the biggest song off this one, which was... Uh, uh, Free Your Mind. 
for your mind. Thank you. I'm, I'm going like, why am I? Why am I not seeing that? Why is that coming to mind? That one, which is my fucking jam. Uh, that song, in in fact, that it's about uh, you know attacking bigotry and it's attacking all kinds of stuff. But it's also weirdly one of the most sexually like powerful songs, where it's just this is you know a strong, powerful woman. And he's about, and she's gonna kick your nuts in, because you know, <laughs> you're, you're the, you're a dumbass who, uh, you know, can't get, you know, can't get out of your little, minute mindset. Yeah, uh, but I, I sing on a regular basis. Uh, you never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Whatever I mock somebody about. Yeah, well, and that just is like. It, yeah, this is your life, which is which is fine. But yeah, it's like when you get my loving that right there, that thing just blows the roof off everything. And then from that point on, it really never, never kind of settles down. Yeah, I, I mean, mean there, there's there's a couple of like covers in here where they're a little more somber. Yeah, and well, it's like it's it, it's not that there's that it's a constant you know fist pump of a of an album. It's it's a smooth it's a smooth group R and B thing, but it's like it never. You can never stop having a good time listening to this because it's a solid, wonderful album. And this was this was one of the things that was on my list that I just I'm going. If you're going to want to take this album, I will let you have this. Be otherwise, am I going to have to pick something? Am I going to have to kill one of my other babies to have this one? Because <laughs> damn it! Because damn it! This would go. This would be. Uh, would have been on my list. And Vogue's gonna pop up next year too, sort of, uh, with the Salt and Pepper. I can't wait to discuss that. I love that fucking album. <laughs> All right, what's your next one? All right, so my next album. Let's do. You know what? Let's go with the. Uh, let's keep it with the hard rock theme. Body counts. Body count. Yeah, nine thousand more times. The first. I at first I was gonna say a no on this album. Because the first track is just so repetitive, I didn't realize it was just like an opener. I thought that was like, is this supposed to be the single? Is this just kind of a warm-up? Is this song, that very first song, is that the one that plays the credits of Universal Soldier? Am I wrong? I don't think so. I can swear that there was a, a soundtrack and it starts a body count, body count, body count. But I mean, as it goes along... What's that? Oh, it's like it could be for all I know, but he's not really a singer. Let's take that out of the conversation. Oh. He's just he's basically rapping over metal, but you cannot deny the power in what he's trying to tell you, and you need to fucking listen. In fact, I think that's one of the tracks is about you just don't listen to what it's like, ignorant yeah. on what it's like oh. to be black. You know, the 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 album the, the the two best songs really off this album for me it's there goes the neighborhood yeah. Which is that? It's a satirical look at the hate they uh, this band is receiving because it's you know, oh, it got so much. I remember that's so notorious like about it. Yeah, and it's you know like how how much shit they got for it, and yet, well, I, I brought this up because I, I had mentioned when we did uh, OG uh, that Ernie C is one of the most underrated guitarists of all time, and this album really does show it because. The, the lyrics on this on this album aren't necessarily the strongest of anything that Icy's done. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he hits hits hard in some locations, especially like "Cop Killer" is a really fucking good song. If you if you uh, went and looked that that up on YouTube, because uh. it's not on not on the album that you can hear off any streaming service or anything. But it's uh, 
you listen to what Ernie C does with with these songs, and these are amazing. Like each track is just an amazing bit. And then yeah, Ice T brings whatever he's gonna bring. Sometimes uh, making you laugh with like uh, KKK bitch, uh, or yeah, it's kind of giving you a, a winner loses, which yeah, it's about someone who's struggling uh, with a, with addiction. Yeah, Body Counts in the House was the name of the song, which I think is a hybrid version of that opening track and then something else. Yeah, because there is there is the uh, the self titled track Body Count, which is. Off, which was from the uh, Ice T album, that he just brought it back over to to be on the the album proper. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the album that that you can hear uh, currently is has a instead of Cop Killer, which uh, again uh, we can just kind of sit there and go by the title alone, you can kind of see where controversy uh, rears its yeah, head. Yeah, especially after like the whole. Uh, Rodney King was it Rodney King yet? Actually, I can't remember now. Did yeah, it happen? Yeah, it, it was. It was around that time, so I can't remember if it was. Ex- I think it was at that at that point. But we can just say it's a very aggressive protest song about police brutality. Because uh-huh. that's really what it is. Is it is a one hundred percent attack on you know the you know well just let's just go Rodney King basically the that kind of treatment that uh, people in South Central. South Central, yeah, South Central Los Angeles would get at the hands of the police, and it's very much again in the vein of "fuck the police" and many other uh, songs. Some of the songs that we'll probably be talking about on one of the other uh, albums this year. Uh, but uh, instead of that, they did end up uh, releasing it with a remixed version of T's "Freedom of Speech," which then has uh, it's either an actual sample of Jimi Hendrix's Foxy Lady or Ernie C's actually playing that. I don't know which, but either way, it sounds amazing. I just wish that people kind of got it, got over it and accepted that, you know, sometimes people need to uh, shout at power. Yeah. So what you got? All right, next one is Weird Al's Off the D-Bend. Saved his career. Uh... <laughs> Smells like Nirvana. I, I could go the rest of my life without ever hearing that song again, honestly. Uh, just oh, because come on. That's, I still find it the funniest thing, especially with Bargle Novel's house. Okay, yes, that's that's really good with the marbles in his mouth. Um, yeah. uh, there's some stuff that doesn't work on this. I, I don't think anymore. The white stuff is pretty bad. Taco Grande yeah. is pretty bad. Um, but I can't I, watch this. Yeah. This is when I really started noticing how good the originals were. And that's what saves this album, I think, is Trigger Happy's fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although, let, let's be honest, that nowadays that has now taken a whole different meaning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you me. don't love me anymore. His demented love songs, "Airline Amy," <laughs> uh, "When I Was Your Age," "I Was Only Kidding." They're really good. Um, but it's it's. I think the weakest part are the covers in this, or the spooks, I guess if you want to say it. Um, yeah, what's sad is I actually think that this is a weaker album than like even worse or heck even UHF. Yeah, well, I mean, really, because I think UHF is kind of weak. Uh, Polka it, Party well, it, was really, really Polka Party's his weakest, I think. Yeah, yeah, but that's but I sit there and look at it and kind of go, it's yeah the the parodies aren't as strong on this one, even though it's like yes you have 
the the biggest one, which is uh, which is smells like Nirvana. But yeah, it's basically it only really works when you have it with the originals. Yeah, that, those are the things that kind of keep this album afloat. Do you, and I, I love the polka version though. When his polka medleys really work, and, they, and there's hardly any that ever fail. God, it's so fucking good. <sighs> He's gonna be your freaking stunt. Let's go! Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> It'll be your eyes, 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 baby, eyes, eyes, baby, eyes, eyes, baby. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, that, that's the thing. I think it's, it is still, he, he has found what works and he's just kind of. It, but this is, the, I what, think this is when he realized he needs to start ditching the food songs. The food songs are fucking tired. And yeah, it's yeah. It's time to move on to something else. Yeah, because I think the after this point, there the the food songs are really, you know, very few and far between. Yeah, and they're usually at the back end. Yeah. All right, your next. Let's see. So my next album, one more in the uh, harder rock stuff, and that is Ministries Psalm sixty nine. The first Ministry album I liked. Good news, Which, people. <laughs> and it's also it is really the thrashiest album that they had. And I mean, even since you know from that point on until like the mid two thousands, this is probably the thrashiest they will ever be. And it has a lot of their biggest hits. Yeah, I they, the, I discovered them because of New World Order. It was on a uh, BMG used to have a VHS they would send out with ten uh, videos on it every month. Camera was called Video Music Monthly or something like that. Uh, and Ministry was on there, and I was like, hello, who's this? But yeah, it's like, yeah, it's New World Order, uh, Jesus Build My Hot Rod, uh, Just One Fix. Like, these, you know, these are songs that basically, it's like, if you've heard anything from Ministry, chances are it's probably one of these. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have to say, this is them at their pinnacle, and I kind of have a theory about that. Al Jurgensen from Ministry makes his best music when Republicans are in the White House. <laughs> well, his music must be great right fucking now. Yeah, it, because it's it, like his early, the early stuff and through uh, through this album are all like the Reagan and Bush years. So a lot of strong stuff. Clinton comes in and then you get uh, two albums, Filth Pig and Dark Side of the Spoon, which are okay, but definitely nowhere near as good as this. W comes around and okay, the first album when he's in office isn't that good, but then he's got three anti, he's got a trilogy of anti W albums, which are all amazing. And then Obama shows up and you get a couple of garbage albums there. But then Trump comes into office and you get like the phenomenal Americant and then last year's Moral Hygiene, which are both phenomenal records. And again, based around the fact that Republicans were in office. Granted, uh, with moral hygiene, that was out last year, but that was all from uh, from Trump years. Yeah. So yeah, this this is phenomenal. Like it, again, it's uh, look up look up the album because Jesus built my hot rod features Gabby Hayes from uh, Butthole Surfers, and apparently all he did was just let him get into a recording booth and he. And they just kind of cut it into a song. Huh. So so it's about drag racing and something, but you just kind of listen to it. And it's like, what the fuck? 
fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> and it there are there are lyrics, but it basically just sounds like someone just go ding dong, dingy 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 ding dong the entire time. And eh, no, there are actual words in it. <laughs> it's hard pressed to figure out what they are. Drugs. Kids don't do drugs, please. Okay, what's yours next? All right. Uh, hey, Professor, what's the name of Pirate Treasure? Oh, you're just going to leave me. You're just going to leave me hanging. You don't know the track? Oh, I'm poor. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's Beastie Boys. Check your head. Okay. There's a track uh, like 12 Down where I always, I always say this to myself. It's like, hey, Professor, what's another name for Pirate Treasure? Well, I think it's Booty. Boot. But, but, booty. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, level with you on this. Uh, this is from your from your picks. There's quite a few albums that did not work for me. <gasps> this doesn't work for you. This did not work for Holy me. Holy fuck! Is this the no, first okay. time you've heard it? This is. A, I've heard. Uh, shoot, what was it? Uh, there's there's a song off this that, I, that I've heard, but for the most part, yeah, it's like oh, this was God. pretty new. This is pretty new to me, and while I can get... There's some stuff I can get behind. I can get behind the turntablism. I can get behind the fact that they're playing instruments. But the flows just never work for me. Okay. And it's like... I was thinking back to Paul's Boutique, where I was kind of having issues with that, too. But I was thinking about, like, going... I would really want to listen to that instrumental album. Because there was so much interesting layers to what they what, what they're bringing in. And this, a lot more stripped down... But yeah, just it, just whatever it was, just what the magic wasn't working on me. The uh, so the story behind this album and, and story for me personally is I knew of Paul's Boutique. I never bought it. Um, I had seen Hey Ladies on MTV and I liked the video, but you know they, they faded away. I I had license still just sitting around, but I never listened to it anymore. And one day I'm just catching on MTV Raps. Uh, 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 fuck. So what you want? That's the so song. What you want? Thank you. Yes. That's the one where they do that inverted color weird uh, thing, and I was like, "What is this? Is Beastie Boys?" And it just it felt different. It sounded different. Uh, and so I bought the album, and at first I was thrown off because I wasn't expecting the tones that they're using. I just watched the documentary on it, and what it was is they were broken emotionally after Paul's Boutique completely flopped. Uh, yes, it still went gold, but when you sell like six million, then gold, yeah. Um, and they had spent so much money on Paul's Boutique because they were certain it was going to be huge that they were horribly in debt. So they wanted, they had to do another album because they had a contract with Capital and they didn't want to lose it because no one else was probably going to sign them at that point. And so they said, well, we can't afford any samples. And so they said, why don't we just create our own loops and samples and stuff like that? So they learned how to play instruments. They taught themselves how well, to play. Well, they knew how to play because they were a punk band. Well, yeah, but I mean really play. Yeah, like okay. a legit, you know, instead of just like garage fucking around, you know, cookie puss and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> um, but I think, and they said they just want to do whatever they wanted to. If they were going to do an instrumental, fine. They're going to do some garage rock, fine. You know, some fuzz, you know, added in and stuff like that. And they start experimenting with their sounds. And just, for me, it's weird. And I, and I really get into the weird. And uh, I don't know, I just, I think it's a fantastic album. It's not my favorite, but it is a, it may be my third favorite. It's, it's one of those things where I could definitely see it as it's one of those dark horse, you know, favorites. Where yeah, not, maybe it's not not the uh, majority's favorite, but yeah. it's one that it 
for some reason it hooks you more so than something that's overproduced. Yeah, well, I also I also think you might have had to have been there at the time to really listen to the whole album because it's just it was such a change, and they were a step ahead. They didn't realize they were a step ahead. You know, they were the ones wearing all the ringer shirts and you know uh, uh, the thrift store finds and stuff like that and making their music more fuzz and weird and combining hip-hop and rap, but in a different way than, like, Faith No More was doing. Uh, and, and then they previously had done because they were known as, like, these fucking frat boys, and they hated that. So, I don't know. I just, for me, it was really personal. I was hitting 15, and it was just like, oh, you can combine all these different kind of sounds, and it's fine? And this is this saved their career. It wasn't huge, but Capitol Records saw that they had dug into something different and this time they had tapped into the alt scene you know they were opening Lollapalooza and stuff like that and you know kept them going and gave them carte blanche with uh, I think their second biggest album which is next is Ill Communication yeah, well I think it's with this album they opened they were opening for uh, the Rollins band I think and I just kind of looking at that going that is probably the them and Rollins Ben are a great yeah. mashup. It together. was that and Cypress Hill. Those three were kind of interchangeable. Yeah. And just going like those in as much as Rollins is like, you know, punk metal stuff, it's one hundred percent is geared towards if you like Cypress like I said, if you like Cypress Hill, if you like Beastie Boys, that's you really are kind of in the same audience. Yeah, yeah. Alright, you're next. Okay. I'm gonna take a complete and total uh, left turn here and how about we do Tori Amos's Little Earthquakes that, this was a surprise honestly I shouldn't have been but it was a surprise it's too mellow for me but I, I respect it I respect it but way too mellow so I really don't have much to say well this is this is one where I I genuinely am trying to I'm having a hard time remembering who actually introduced me to Tori because on one hand, I have my friend Lauren, who is a, he is responsible for like a huge amount of my musical taste because he listened to everything, and so hanging out with him, I would just, you know, I'd be listening to hardcore black, you know, black metal and death metal and stuff, <laughs> and then and then also stuff like this, you know, you know, and and some of my electronic, you know, tastes and stuff like that, where it's you truly have like. The ends, the farthest ends of the world, come together, and it's like so. It's possibly that he introduced me through uh, one of her later albums uh, from the Choir Girl Hotel, but also my friend Kristen was someone who she was a big fan of Tori, and I know she was, you know, she actually bought me my first one, my first album first, and might have been because of her her love of, of this album in particular that uh, I might have been introduced. I genuinely can't remember. It kind of makes me feel feel bad that I can't credit one person or the other for, the, for discovering this, essentially. But, uh, yeah, this is technically her third, yeah, third album because she did have a rock band before this called Why Can't Tori Read? <laughs> and it... The album's okay, but uh, didn't do anything and just kind of people just kind of shoved it aside. It's kind of like the first and last Morrison album, just kind of people. Oh yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, then there was actually a version of this album that Atlantic rejected. So then they they kind of rewrote some of the songs, added a couple, and then put this out. 
and like there's songs on this like I I really wish that I was I was in a band longer than I was because I really want really want to have covered Crucify from this album in this uh, Sisters of Mercy goth way <laughs> and I oh man I love that song so much and I mean this has got Precious Things Silent All These Years Happy Phantom Leather I mean this is this feels just yeah it's a piano and song you know piano and singing uh, album and it is just it is such a wonderful wonderful experience and just fun cool it's filled deep, you know, deep and sad shit. So I can't say fun, but uh, pleasant listening experience. But uh, yeah, that considering everything else that we're going to be talking about, this is definitely the leftist of left turns. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, it's 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 like if I had put um, in vogue like somewhere in the middle of my list. Yeah. Okay, so what's next on yours? Faith no more, Angel Dust, their best album. I think so. Oh no, you don't like this one either. I, I, part of you know what? Part of me thinks because I, after listening to to Epic, I was really, really excited for this. I knew we were going to cover it. I knew we were going to listen to it. And then, aside from uh, what was it? Oh, sorry. Did I say real thing? I say Epic, real thing. Uh, yeah, aside from. Midlife crisis, I, I did not uh, really get to this one. Like, I, it really, it should have just been a, a Mr. Bungle record. Really, it's kind of weird. Out. Yes, I'll say this: yeah. it's a weird album. This, this for me is the same as Beastie Boys with "Check Your Head." Is that it's all over the place. I didn't expect for it to take these breakneck like changes. And another album that I discovered right around the same time, and this was just a world opener to me because you could have. You know, like more industrial and metal and epic and stuff like that. Not to make a joke of the epic stuff, but I don't know. For me, it's very special. Well, what's kind of like thinking about it's like okay, I get that Mike Patton because also with with real thing, Mike Patton was basically only responsible for for like singing and lyrics and stuff. The music and stuff was written, and he they you know kind of wanted to step away from the funk rock stuff. So I, I get that, and bands can evolve. But this is kind of like, say, Anthrax following up Among the Living with the Stormtroopers of Death album, Speak English or Die. Like, all of a sudden, you're just kind of... There's not so much an evolution as, oh, no, we're a new band now. <laughs> okay, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I, I, already, I already had the real thing, so I knew that sound. But I don't know. Something about this one really hit me differently because... There's literally one where he's just rambling like a drunk old man. I was like, oh, these kids anymore. Dun, 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 dun. What are they even talking about? Oh. I don't know. It's something about it. I, I, I really can't explain it, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I get it. I think this is... people. I know people love this one, and it's just usually, I think, thrown around as like maybe their most influential work. And I can get that. I mean, if there's definitely something about it that is again different and it's when you said they're going 92 and someone's doing this on a on a record that's in the mainstream that'll definitely turn some heads so i don't i don't deny its place in history i just kind of went wow i'm listening to this one i i 
want real thing part two. I'm a bad, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bad critic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible critic. I can't even tell you what's in my head. Sometimes it's terrible. Your turn. All right. How about we keep going with the slightly off kilter stuff, and we'll talk about uh, the Apex Twin selected ambient works. 85 through 92. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it was okay. I just, uh, I couldn't get into it either. Some stuff's too somber yeah. for me or I can't get into it. I don't know. Well, it's, it, what's kind of funny is this record is, it sounds a hell of a lot like what, because this is the first album from Apex Twin, uh, who most people would know from uh, their song Come to Dad, uh, Come to Daddy, which was the weird video that would play on MTV like at midnight, where an old woman is like being chased around by little kids with uh, Richard James's face, and then this demon crawls out of a TV and screams at her. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that come to daddy, come to daddy, creepy ass, you know, like this, it's like an industrial song, but it's just weird, fucked up techno is really all it is. Uh, but this guy, this album is, sounds a lot like later Aphex Twin stuff, but it also sounds absolutely nothing like Aphex Twin will do after this. Because, again, it's ambient music, and he has a another ambient album that's very much, that's even more just sound, like, just, well, this kind of has song structure in a lot of cases. The other album is just kind of soundscape and you, if you put it on the background, you will literally forget that you put it on the background, and all of a sudden you'll be like, you know, wait, is that thing still going? I totally lost it. <laughs> this one, this one, at least there are some of these tracks are songs, at least you know, pulse width, uh, delphium, actium. These things are just at least kind of things that you can you can actually put on and enjoy whereas yeah it's some ambient stuff you just kind of it's there to just fill the silence so i, I kind of said that you didn't dig it but at the same time it, this was one of those things i went but it's I, going to be ironic later when i suggest like albums by air it's the same fucking thing i don't know why i just didn't connect to it well, don't worry. We'll we'll do the uh, Richard D. James album or something like that. <laughs> or no, we'll do Donkey Rhubarb as a single. It'll <laughs> creep you the fuck out. All right. My turn. What do you got? What do you got? All right. So I got uh, Black Sabbath Dehumanizer, which we've discussed on the uh, the Dio episode that we did uh, like earlier last year or something like that. Um, nothing really new to say here. I just think it's a great reunion album which sadly i didn't continue which i was kind of boned by because i think after this is when dio starts going like sludge metal like a lot doomer you know the darker and then yeah. black sabbath just fades away for a very long time but this thing fucking kicks ass I mean, you know you and i have talked about our tv crimes this is probably the greatest single they've ever uh. well i'm surprised when I, I did a little bit of research in this and i was really shocked to learn that master of insanity was written for uh, Geezer, uh, the Geezer Butler Band. Yeah. And Dio had no input on it whatsoever. and Which is weird, because, let, let's be honest, out of any song on that album, Master of Insanity sound as, like, 
Dio's DNA all over it. Yeah, well, after all the dead, I think I think uh, it sounds more like him, but that's just me. But uh, yeah, but this TV crimes, computer god, time machine, yeah, after all, natural say all these things. It's just it's a fire of an album. Yeah, and this is really because of Wayne's World. This it was my first exposure to Black Sabbath. Yeah. Black see, here's the thing: is uh, so I had the, the Wayne's World soundtrack, and I thought that's what Black Sabbath sounded like all the time. And that Christmas, I asked for the very first Black Sabbath album, and I was completely thrown off. At first, I was like, I don't like this. But then you get used to that. I was like, well, I guess that's just the way it was. You know, 20 years early with a different singer. You know, and <laughs> so I don't know what I was thinking, but you're a teenager, and sometimes you're ignorant on these things. This is true, but uh, you live, you learn, and then you discover that bands change. You live and you burn. Uh, your turn. All right. Disposable heroes of hypocrisy. Hypo- hypocrisy is the greatest luxury. This is really, I wouldn't say it's not meant to be a pop album. And anyway, don't expect that. This is this is beat poetry. This is true, like beat poetry to a beat. Uh, I, I don't want to say beat twice. Damn it! What am I trying to say? Because when I try to describe rap to some people who don't like rap, I was like, do you like poetry? And they're like, yeah. I go, this is poetry. It's just two music. That's what this is. This is a guy on stage uh, pouring his heart out, and it just happens to be with music. Yeah, it's like, I firmly believe that time travel uh, exists because of this album. Because there's no way this album was written in 92. Because Michael Frandi is talking about, well... I would say prior to when I wrote this, so this would be going a couple of weeks back, uh, he was talking about the world of 2022. Yeah, basically. Because, yeah, I mean, he's talking about homophobia, violence against LGBTQ plus community, the manipulation, dumbing down of America through television, yep. right-wing attacks on free expression, racial equality, all this stuff literally happened, is, is ongoing and happened all throughout this time. And it has, of course, happened in 92, but it's literally this album just was written this year, fell through a worm, you know, through a wormhole, and he got a hold of it and and did this. Cause, and what's kind of funny is you mentioned beat poetry. The album is basically like Public Enemy meets Pop Will Eat Itself meets Gil Scott Heron. So I don't know what that last one is. Uh, he's basically a uh, spoken word singer. Uh, he's just the thing that most people know is that uh, the revolution will not be televised. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, he's beat poets. Uh, a lot of this stuff is amazing. You you should check him out. But yeah, it's like this is sadly their only only real album. Uh huh. They did they did the music for a William S. Burroughs spoken word album, but uh, yeah, basically uh, Michael Franny went on to start the band Spearhead. Oh and, yes, okay. And he had success, whereas the other guy in this band, who like did all the beats and stuff, I guess he went off to work with some hip-hop duo called Mystic Journey, but I can't really f- find out anything about this guy after this album. Speaking of hip-hop albums, somehow last year I forgot to add an album, which I think is unfucking believable but KMD, they're basically their only... They had another album, but it was like a hodgepodge and mixed up, but their first album, only album, is... Wow. Uh, that should have been on last year's episode. Sorry. But but one of the things on this one uh, that's really cool is that they did a uh, cover of uh, uh, California Uber Alice, 
but uh, up, you know, updated it for the time. Uh-huh. And that's been kind of a thing that's happened since then is most, it seems like if you're going to do a good cover of California Uber Alice, because Joe Biafra did it with the Melvins, I think, uh, a few years later after this, too. And it's you update it for the time, so you still have current, you know, you, you take the current political climate and then you use that instead of just talking about, you know, something from the 80s at this point. You now update for the political climate of the 90s, and that's what uh, Disposable Heroes did, and shit, it's, it's good. Anyway, what do you got? I have, uh, no, nah, okay, I feel, I feel like I should have put something else here, but uh, like I said, I won KMD, but I didn't realize it was from 1991, not 92, but I put EPMD, Business Never Personal. Uh, I thought the last album was a real dud, especially how great the, was it, the 88 album. Uh, this is a pretty good comeback for them. Uh, good samples, good beats, more aggressive, I think, than their previous releases. Uh, part of it, I think, is because they're trying to compete with the other guys because uh, the sound was changing, but also I think that they just had more on their mind. Uh, I Really not much else to say about it, though. There's no real standout singles. It's just a good vibe. I, I thought it was okay. I didn't really hate it, but I wasn't overly over the moon on it. Crossover, Headbanger, and Who Killed Jane? Are pretty were pretty good tracks off of it but uh i actually had to go and look up because i remembered we had talked about one and i think i did like that album more than i did like this one overall but uh yeah just kind of this was another one that it just didn't didn't hit me as well as other things that might have all right your turn let's see fish a picture of nectar. <laughs> By the way, remind me, I have uh, a documentary concert thing of theirs that I'm going to send to you with that comic book that I'm going to send you. Um, I, I liked it. I'm not crazy about fish, but I get now why people get into them because they are like our generation's uh, Grateful Dead. They, uh, sorry, I had to shut something because it was. <laughs> why did I do that while recording? Sorry, I saw something open, I shut it. <laughs> um, but I get why people get into it because of that, that that jam band that people can really get into. Well, that's the thing. Is I came into this band a lot later in life. I mean, we're talking, what, five, four, five years ago? No, like four years ago at this wow, point. Wow, that's kind of a surprise. And it was one of those things where, yeah, I just, it was, I was at work. I was listening to, to like, uh, my uh, music streamer on Shuffle and Fish, you know, came on. And, and I'd like, I knew, I knew of Llama. Cause I've heard that song before, but nothing ever. I never really wanted to explore it because when I was growing up, they basically were basically kind of treated like a joke. Yeah. You know, I mean, they had the Grateful Dead, you know, sort of following. They had a shitty Ben and Jerry's flavor. How <laughs> do you take these people seriously? Uh, and it's like, honestly, it's because they're pretty fucking amazing. Like uh, this, this is a decent uh, out, you know, way for people to get kind of get their foot in the door. Uh, because you know Llama, you've got uh, uh, Gorilla Papyrus, you got this uh, reggae kind of prog rock sound. Poor Heart is a country song. Uh, Magilla is this jazz track. I mean, it's they're doing different styles all across this album, but it's it never really comes off as like you know like hitting a brick wall in style. Like all of a sudden, like comparing it to say like Angel Dust where 
gets very weird and kind of jarring to listen to. This stuff kind of flows into it. Also, mainly because it's not... I mean, there's rock songs, but it's not aggressively rock in any way. So you kind of can get those genre changes and not really feel like you're uh, you're shifting gears and grinding metal while you're doing so. Yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely... They, they've Their live albums are really, really good to hear. And again, as a jam band, they're long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's it's the sort of stuff where yeah, if you're gonna listen to an album, I would I'd probably whip a live album at you. But you know, for studio for studio cut, probably this. So what is your next one? Gin Blossoms, new miserable experience, and I feel like this is something you wouldn't get into, but I love them. Okay, yeah, I but it's also let's be honest, I've never particularly liked Gin Blossoms, so going into this was I was kind of hoping that nostalgia would would carry me more on this than any any other uh, feel to it because it, it it is kind of there to give me a nostalgia gasm because it is a 90s album like the tone of it the style everything in this screams 90s so I kind of get <laughs> a little bit of that and maybe if I had actually picked up this album like maybe like say 94 95 when i really was starting to form of my base musical identity it's possible that i might have i might like this more but uh it i came into it a little bit later in the 90s when i was too cool for everything <laughs> yeah this is the beginning of uh jangle rock now it's released in uh 92 but I think it took about a year and a half to really take off. It's one of those kind of under the radar, the same way it was with um, uh, Spin Doctors. No, I guess Spin Doctors is more early jangle rock. I don't know. It, I mean, it's a, a genre. It's hard to describe. But you know, like that adult alternative kind of uh, yeah. ha always has a guy with a tambourine for some reason. <laughs> um, you know, like Counting Crows and um, what's the guy who played the harmonica again? I can't remember. Uh, oh, you oh. want to give me the run around? Sure. Loose Traveler. Loose Traveler. You know, those kind of guys. It's a sound called Jangle Rock now. I don't know if it was a sound. They said that back then. But it was the kind of thing that could appeal to basically everybody. It's like, oh, this alternative? My dad will like this. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I just, I really liked, and no, it's not cool, and I don't give a fuck about cool. I only like what I like. And just thinking about all the, the, the hits off this, hey, jealous, fall away. Uh, found out about you, Allison Road. I feel like there's a couple others in there, but they're just one of those really pleasant, like wallflowers. You know, just something you can everybody can just sit back and be like, okay, I, I like this. But for me, I really enjoy the sound. Well, it's like for we'll just say with wallflowers, I like them more now than I did at the time. But again, at the time, I was also an insufferable asshole. Yeah. Although I'm still an insufferable asshole, but at least I like. Yeah, better I, taste. I'm more, I'm, I'm more open to stuff. Hell, I, I went to a Goo Goo uh, Dolls concert and enjoyed myself. Hey, so. Yeah, that, they're kind of like the same idea. You know, that there's a, for about 10 years there, there was uh, alternative music that was hitting the top 10. Um, and this is one of those bands. I, 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 yeah. You know, people, I guess, kind of shit on them because girls liked them so much, kind of the way, uh, you know, it would turn into like teen pop. Like, oh, <laughs> 14 year old girls like, man, I have to suck dick. Yeah, well, this is the sort of thing that my friend Russell. I, I, I know he didn't have it because otherwise we would have listened to it and I would have had at least uh, some more direct nostalgia other than 
you know, it's sound. But uh, it's the sort of thing that if he had owned it, we would have definitely listened to it after, you know, when we hung out after school or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be like this and then us listening to Silverchair and shit, you know? <laughs> I just read an article about Silverchair, how they're like the forgotten grunge band that no one talks about. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I feel bad and don't feel bad at the same time with that one. Your turn. All right. How about... I've got only a little bit to say about this one. Uh, Dream Theaters, Images, and Words. This is the big one, right? Pull this Me is, Under. Yeah, this is their... Uh, this is the album that made them. I will I will say it like this. It's their second album. Uh, this is the one that really did kind of cement what they started to sound like. It is definitely not their best album. Because uh, it really... It kind of only exists to give us Pull Me Under and Metropolis Part 1 because nothing else on this album really hits as big as uh, like as an album that albums like Metropolis Part 2 or Systematic Chaos or shit, even Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Like, those albums are better examples of what they do, but Pull Me Under is one of those songs where I would definitely say you should hear because it is a hell of a song and the this sort of prog you know prog hard rock that uh, was starting to be developed at this time is different than all like the, the you know prog rocks that we had heard before this isn't you know this isn't Pink Floyd this isn't uh, uh, Rush or any you know anything like that this is now people who liked metal, you know, growing up, now starting to put together, oh, yeah, we like Rush, but we also like uh, Iron Maiden. Yeah. We're going to kind of start developing a style that fuses these two together. But what did you think of this one? It's fine. Uh, a prog metal is kind of touch and go with me. Uh, I think this more... <laughs> interesting in some of the self-indulgent like this is a 37 minute song <laughs> this is a whole album I'm like all oh, right aren't they just eight songs you're just pushing into one really <laughs> i will warn you we are gonna have a uh, album that's five tracks long and one of the songs is 20 minutes yeah whatever that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i've tortured you enough so and maybe i'll like it who knows um yeah that's it yeah, like I said, I don't have a whole lot to My say. My roommate was one. huge, in college was huge on Dream Theater, so we listened to that a lot. Oddly, we listened to Saigon Kick, too, if you remember Saigon Kick. I do remember Saigon Kick. Well, it's like that, you know, going like Spock's beard and shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, Who are the guys that did the Mystery Science Theater uh, theme song? Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. Or no, that's that's the Kids no. in the Hall. Uh, no, damn I, it, who did the Matt, Mystery Science like, Theater song? Well, I know Man or Astro Man at least covered Yes, it. that's it, that's it, yeah. Uh, they, they, we listened to a lot of that too. He was into prog rock, and then it turned to country because of his girlfriend, and that sucked. <laughs> well, that's all I got to say about that. So what you got? REM, Automatic for the People. The only album of theirs I think is 100% from the beginning to the end, perfect. I like REM quite a bit, and I'm not sure if this was out. This album was bigger than Out of Time or not, but th I like this better than Out of Time, and I just feel like Out of Time is kind of a mess and a little pretentious. I was thinking about this because I, I here's I, I'm gonna read you one of my notes. Christ, I'm not trying to hate the albums that you picked, but for some reason these aren't working for me. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll move on then. No. Uh, no, 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 no. No, no. I 
I really uh, I found this boring. Okay. Uh, part of it is part of it's like okay. I am I we we've, we've we've talked about Aria before and we've covered the album that works for me the most. The eighty seven one. Doc, yeah, uh, document. Yeah. Which I love. Uh Green I think is fine. Monster I think is fine. But Where are we at? Is Monster ninety four? Is that coming up, right? I think that one's coming up, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just I my a lot of these albums I'm starting to realize are my sisters now. Listen, I'm Vogue. Uh, Jim Blossom's this, but drive my dog barking while we're recording. <laughs> uh, she's discovered her voice recently, so I apologize, everybody. Uh, the Sidewinder sleeps tonight. Everybody hurts, of course. That's the one that kind of makes you depressed. Um, yeah, well, it's like Man on the Moon and Everyone Hurts are the songs that I do like off this album. Yeah, well, Man on the Moon's but, just so fucking fantastic. That's yeah. the, that's the winner in all of this. Yeah, Man on the Moon though. That's uh, if I had to pick it. Pick between those two songs, Man on the Moon, of course. Yeah. You know, even even though I'm a I'm a sad, you know, sad, depressed, gothy son of a bitch. Everyone hurt. Everybody hurts. Does have a moment where it just kind of going, Jesus Christ, dude, lighten up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a little dark, but um, I feel like this is like the pinnacle of adult alternative. You know what I mean? Like this is where like everybody that was older than me, like college age and in their early, you know, thirties, whatever, like this is the best alternative. Like it was either this or U two, <laughs> and then that Zuropa yeah, album came out, and everybody's like, I don't know what to do with U two anymore. <laughs> well, that's well, that's the thing is, list, you know, thinking about this album, you know, I, I or you know, going in with the thing like automatic people, yeah, that's the album that everyone loves. That's I always think of it as that. That's the one. I just kind of. Uh, Part of me also wonders if me not liking it is also just that knee-jerk reaction to... It could be. Everybody. I have that with At Chung Baby. I know it's a good album, but for some reason I pull back. I'm like, eh. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like I really, I genuinely was listening to it just kind of being bored, which part of me also, I will, I will throw this much out to maybe uh, based on being in a, being in a, hot room over the summer listening to this stuff if that is an impact to my enjoyment that could be but then again how would explain some of these albums in here that i really like too i think it's weird that we ditched all alternative like the big grunge guys we, we didn't neither one of us did those well we we did through we threw a bunch yeah, of those guys I guess, in a, yeah. on a separate thing too, but I, so. I think i went i'm always a little more mainstream than you i always feel like a fucking nerd <laughs> <laughs> your turn all right. Well, here, how about mainstream? Ugly Kid Joe, America's Least Wanted. This surprised me quite a bit. It, it's, it's really it's fucking good, isn't it? It is, and I'm ashamed. <laughs> I was like, like, ah, these guys suck, but they're not really part of the hair metal. They're just their own thing. They're like, they're kind of like early punk revival mixed with grunge, mixed with just like fucking white yeah. trash, <laughs> like jackal. Yeah, it's like it's- it's hard rock. It's a little funk. It's a little alternative. It's a little thrash. I'm your fucking neighbor. <laughs> yeah, it's like it really makes me wonder why they didn't have a longer career because you know it's like the the follow up was well liked, but uh, it basically everyone well, I should say everyone liked it except the label, and then their third album was ended up just being an indie release that no one really heard yeah well you remember it was an ep first with i hate everything about you and then they put it as a full album what america's most hated what's the name of this one again uh, america's least wanted america's least wanted and there was that controversy because the the ugly kid joe flips them off on the cover and they had to you know put a thing over it 
Yeah, well, it's also because he, uh, the, the ugly kid is also the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. So, ah, we can't have the Statue of Liberty giving people the bird, even though that's kind yeah. of how America's treating it now. So the, the hit off of this was Cats in the Cradle to cover, which is fine, but most people think that, you know, um, I Hate Everything About You was from this, but no, it was from the EP that came out like eight months earlier. Yeah, well, they did, they did re, I think they re-recorded it, too, okay. so there's... There's a little bit of a different sound to it than, than the album cut. Plus, you also have that weird... Uh, I think it's on... Are it's you the album. guys from The Ugly Kid? Whatever it is, you know, the it, Pat. Yeah, yeah. you have... Uh, Ju- what's your name? From, Julia yeah, Sweeney. Pat. Thank you. Yeah, it's just like... No, no that, that... That's fine for the video, I guess, but don't have it on Yeah, that's album. such a time capsule. It'd be like as if they had Rob Schneider come out and go, The Ugly Kidinator! <laughs> Making copies. Making yeah. people pissed off. Being offensive. But yeah, this is this is one of those albums that it is a lot better than you think that it's going to be. I, yeah, I forgot this is good. I used to have this album. I forgot it was pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I definitely know I've heard this album. in, in I'd heard this album in the past because I... Not only do I remember, obviously because it was a big hit anyway, but uh, Cats in the Cradle and all that stuff. But I'm listening to some of these songs and going, I've heard this before. I know this song. It's like, I'm going, where did, oh yeah, that was Summer Camp. Well, I think the reason they weren't very successful is because they are in that transition era. Basically, every band that hit after 1990 that was an alternative... Well, they're not considered like legacy acts, like Slaughter and Whitesnake and all those guys that had just a couple hits. They're not considered legacy, and they're not considered alternative. There was this weird window in the middle, and people don't know what the fuck to do with them. They don't know how to sell them on, like, uh, in nostalgia tours. So, eh. Yeah, well, apparently, Ugly Kid Joe did ultimately come back, and they had an album out a couple of years ago, and they I guess they're going to have a new album out maybe this year. So, you know, hey, it's, been, it's, them. <laughs> it's been it's been long enough. Hey, bring it, now they are a legacy act. Yeah, well, now the '90s have finally kicked in. The nostalgia from the '90s to the fucking '80s, which hung on for way too long. Dear Lord. Yeah. <laughs> we even talked about it on the show. I was like, we're still talking about '80s movies. You know, we got to stop this. We got to move to the '90s. <laughs> but all right, what do you got? Rage Against the Machine, self-titled debut. Holy shit. Yep. This, this knocked me on my fucking ass when I heard it. I was like, like I the other ones I knew of the bands. This was like, who is this? Oh my God, am I even allowed to listen to this? Yeah, that's the thing. This is an album that will, that did and always will kick my ass. I, I listened to this thing so much during college that it, it's like, yeah. It had it, 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 it been a while since I had heard this album, you know, like some of these tracks off this album, but I immediately started singing the bullet to the head again. Just, yeah. Just straight I, I literally believe the second we got into the dorm room that we threw this and blasted it. Just another bomb track. Uh, but yeah, Killing in the Name was, was that the first one? Killing in the Name was the first track? Uh, single? No, bomb, bomb, well, yeah, Killing in the Name I think was the first single, but the bomb track's first off the album. But I'd never heard guitar work like this. It was like, what the fuck am I hearing? It's like the first time anybody had rethought how you could play a guitar since Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, Tom Morello is, like, he, yeah, basically he 
I don't want to say he reinvented how to play the guitar. He just decided that his his guitar is now a turntable. He now just he he basically said, I'm not only gonna you know I'm gonna destroy the guitar. I'm also going to use effects pedals like you know like no one had ever even dreamed of. Yeah, it just they, they something so new, so aggressive too. Nobody had really been this political, and I can't remember how long. The seventies? Well, I'm, no, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm being a moron. Punk. Fucking idiot. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'll but, show. but even then, but even then, on something that was released on a major on a major label, directly political. Yeah, to, pushed which, on which MTV. Is, which is hilarious when you think about all these uh, right wing fools who claim that they were fans of them until they started getting political. Where it's like. You how did never you, listen to Yeah, them, how did you? you not know? Well, also how they, they misinterpret their political leanings, too. And it's like the way that they thought they live was like, oh, no, it's against the Jewish people. What? Did you? The Jewish people are the aliens that control everything. And then John Carpenter says, no, it's not. I go, what would you know about it? Uh, I'm the director. <laughs> no. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, and that's the thing. Is also this is at the best I could think of. This is the first, you know, metal, you know, new metal album. Because okay, yeah, yes, okay, have, maybe Faith No More, but I'm not sure. Yeah, well, even then, I because I think like Run DMC used rock beats in their songs, like Ice T did. You know, you in Body Count, but Body Count is still kind of more of a thrash band yeah. than than a, than that. And then you do have Anthrax, who did you know, uh, uh, bring you know, well the cover of Bring the Noise had come out, but can you in a sense it's a cover, but is it really a cover if you just have Public Enemy singing it and right, right, right. trying to play guitar and occasionally doing it, and then they also had I'm the Man. But that's more of a novelty song, more so than really a functional, you know, crossover. Yeah, it doesn't. Like it's that. like a whole new sound because they're not really doing funk. They're not doing like, they're not really even doing metal. It's just this whole new. It's not industrial. I it just I don't know what it is. It's just something like yeah. It's 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 the it's hip hop metal like the the hard rock all the guitar like they would use like yeah. the. Tombrello kind of turning the guitar into yeah, and, a and, and he's not necessarily rapping, he's not necessarily singing, but it is closest, like I said earlier, it's like beat poetry. It's like he took the stage and he's just reading the poetry right there. It's as aggressive, it's in your fucking face, and there's no, there's no like apologies. There's because like, he doesn't need to apologize. This needs you need to be confronted with this stuff. A lot of these things I had never even knew happened that they talk about. Yeah, that's the thing is he's. Being that they're both uh, Zach De La Rocha and Tom Morello are, you know, have, have families who who were, uh, you know, hardcore. Uh, I don't want to say necessarily revolutionary, but you know, basically like they were entrenched in this sort of political thought and the history behind it and all that stuff. And you know, they're talking about all this stuff, and it becomes. You know, an impromptu history lesson yeah. on shit that you never really knew about until. We, where are they? Why have they been? Oh, I don't understand why that. Even Zachary Aroka, like the stuff he does, is so barely there. Or when Range Against the Machine combined with Chuck Dean, it barely was there. Are the labels purposely hiding this? Well, there was the uh, Prophets of uh, Prophets of Rage uh, that uh, came with Chuck D and Tom yeah, Morello, and it's just. And a blip yeah well 
Maybe the, maybe the labels were happy to push it during the Reagan or the uh, Clinton years, and then then all of a sudden it turned into like uh, Republican years. And like, uh oh, yeah. Well, part of it I think is also you just it's harder to quote unquote rage against the machine when <laughs> when you uh, people like to point out that yeah, but you're being paid by the machine. Yeah. All right. Which which Fair again they. Which again, they they have addressed many times, and I and I don't feel that they are quote unquote sellouts or that kind of bullshit. No, no, no. All right, your turn. My my last one. Uh, do you want to do what we might have had? If you oh, I don't even remember. Videos? Like I said, I lost a list, so I don't know why I okay. might have had. But go ahead. I'll throw I'll throw a couple of them out there. Uh, I almost had. Uh, Aside from some of the ones we had mentioned. Um, oh, yeah, that was a real close one. Did I not add Cypress Hill? Oh, that's right. It was on my list, and then I remembered something else, and I took it off. But uh, some of the ones I had, Helmet's Mean Time. Yeah. Uh, Dada's Puzzle. Chumbawamba's Shh. Uh, Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Uh, God Flesh is Pure. Uh, Suicide Tessie's Art of Rebellion. The Cure's Wish. Pantera's Vulgar Display of Power. Uh, Manic Street Preachers, Generation Terrorists, uh, uh, Far Sides, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. Yeah, that's that's a great one too. Yeah, there's a handful that you uh, had on yours that I, I had on my almost list. Yeah, and Cannibal Corpses, Tombs of the Mutilated. Gross. Want to go throw up now? Yeah. <laughs> um. But oh yeah, uh, yeah, my last one? last one is Motorhead's March or Die. Fucking, this is the best one you chose. Holy shit, I was painting the house, and I was like, oh my god, this is good. Do they all sound like this, or did they... I, I've never listened to Motorhead before. This is literally the first time. And I was like, this is a great fucking album. Do they all sound like this? Well, we did a Motorhead album. We did? Yeah. Well, it tells you my attention span <laughs> and my memory. Oh, fucking, never mind. But, I mean, was this kind of a big comeback to them? Because I feel like this has a really high production value, considering. Actually, this kind of... Uh, it. It got buried almost because, uh, oh. well, it's like, yeah, basically this this uh, came along around the same time that she, you know, of course, did had the Ozzy album, and uh, Lemmy did a lot of work on that on that album, which is why we have his version of Hellraiser on the album, and again, my preferred version of it. Oh, really? I, I prefer the Ozzy. But yeah, it's like "Ain't No Nice Guy" was a ballad that featured Ozzy and Slash, and it without any uh, help from the label, it actually became a pretty big radio hit. And they shot a video for it. And MTV uh, barely played it because Sony didn't, you know, didn't get around to signing any releases for it. Yeah. Jeez. So it's like, yeah, this album basically just kind of was really kind of kicked out to die. And it has some of their really good, uh, you know, some of their best, you know, best put together songs you got you better run which is kick-ass bluesy hard rock track. yeah yeah you know uh cat scratch fever is a cover it's a really good one of course but yeah, a massive douchebag <coughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know ain't no nice guy hellraiser uh bad religion stand like this album fucking rips and like i said it's a it's a shame that basically they kind of had a career revival that then got drowned and they had to kind of have to find a way to claw back out of that I'm, I am really happy that you dug this one yeah it was great okay my final album yes no are we are, yeah. my, are, 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 are you ashamed of me are you ashamed of me and we should move on I, 
Okay, I'm not ashamed of you. Uh, I know this is a fucking terrible album, but I have so much nostalgia for it that it blinds me. <laughs> okay, I will say this. Before, before we introduce what this is, I will I'll phrase it like this. I only know, when going into this, two songs that, en- that anyone actually knows from this fucking album. <laughs> Jump Around and Shamrocks and Shenanigans. The Butch Vig remix? The, the, the one with the metal track? Or kind yeah. of... Yeah, that's yeah. that's the better version of that. <laughs> yeah, it's House of Pain, uh, also known as uh, Fault, uh, Fault, uh, yeah, Fine Malt Lyrics, but it's just House <laughs> the, of Pain. The next ones are better, but this thing is fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I almost feel like, you know that, that thing with the more cowbell? <laughs> I can see the producer going, more Irish, <laughs> more cliche Irish. Shamrock this fucker up. <laughs> What's funny about this is I I, kind of, I was kind of grooving at, at the beginning to this stuff, you know. But then you get to the House of Pain anthem, and then that's kind of where it starts to really slip. <laughs> Danny boy, Danny boy, so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there are parts da- of it. I think boy. I remember da- right. Da- da- boy. <laughs> yeah, there are parts of it in the beginning that were fine. Yeah. But, it, but I, I thought about this, and because one of their problems is. All the songs really do sound the same. Yeah. And, I mean, sure, some are faster, some are slower, but they don't really have any unique identities. Now, <laughs> okay, okay. Everlast owns this album, seriously. Danny, uh, Danny Boy is just kind of there. <laughs> He's kind of like a, a Public Enemy where it's like Chuck D basically dominates, but then every once in a while, you know, it goes to uh, Flip or Flip. Well, it's really, it's like, there's... there's now you have a couple of songs that are similar. That's fine. There's there, a lot of groups have a sound that defines them, but this kind of felt like to me like if I was listening to a Dragon Force record. I, I've never Force, heard Dragon Force, so I don't. Okay, know. well here's the thing: Dragon Force is a band that has some amazing technical players, but they're only good at playing one song. Ah. All their songs sound like Through the Fire and the Flames. That is literally it. Every single song. I mean, you can sit there and go, there was a was a line from Amadeus, there's too many notes. That's kind of how uh, Dragon Force plays, is that they... You, you sit there and you lose track at, at the beats per minute True. that these guys are playing. Yeah. And, the... Uh... Yeah, I'll say that about House of Pain. Really, every song is like Jump Around, except the big beat. I think the thing that really people caught is they took the sample for that old blues song, whatever, Harlem Shuffle, uh, which Rolling Stones... Here's the thing is, Rolling Stones covered Harlem Shuffle, but they ditched the horn part. So I think it's funny that the horn part's the only taken over to <laughs> jump around. <laughs> um, if you want to piss my mother off, play Jump Around, but only at a certain level where she can only hear the bee, the high-pitched wee. <laughs> It's like, what are you listening to? <laughs> um, but a lot of it's just like this aggressive, fucking shitty, like, yo, I'm from Boston. We like baked beans, you shit face. Get out of our neighborhood. We're going to kick it. We're going to kick, kick uh, put on shit, kick us in, kick some shit. Stuff like that really annoys me. But yeah. I think what really works, actually, is not so much even the rapping. I love their DJ. I think some of the samples he uses and how he breaks down a song is pretty good. Well, it depends oh. on which one you're talking about, because they have two. Do they? You DJ, yeah, you have DJ Lethal, and you also have DJ Muggs. And I want to say the stuff that I like actually had Muggs on it. Okay, it well, whatever, like, the one that would uh, have the fatter beats, 
The ones that like okay, so they they, they work with uh, uh got the, what the kids uh, B real, is it B real from uh, uh Cypress Hill? I think so, yeah. Um, that song like it's got these really fat beats and good samples, and, and there's a handful of songs. You're right, I never even noticed it before that sound like that vibe, and then there's some that just seem like they're a mess. Like yeah. <laughs> seriously. Well, it's like well, I, I forget where DJ Muggs went to. Because I, I, I recognize that name. I went, DJ Lethal is the guy who ended up in uh, Limp Bizkit. Okay. Ew. So I think I think you can kind of tell the difference between those songs. Kind of with the, uh, uh, the how, how, they, uh, how they pull their stuff. But one thing I do, I did make a min, make, notice this. And it helped me. I was fucking laughing at, at the thought of this. They say House of Pain more times on that album. Than KFDM does on theirs. <laughs> it does. I think it, I, it's really annoying to me. Is when a rap group will do that. They'll drop their name over and over and over. Like that probably bothered you during the third base. Like what the last yeah. time we did music with a third base. KFDM third base is the ace in the hole. Ace in the hole is like okay, we got we know who you are. We bought the fucking album. <laughs> yeah, it, I. I did kind of want to go into this one. I I have the same feeling about this I did Angel Dust in that I know I wanted more out of it than what I got. Oh, yeah. I want more out of this too, but I this is another one of those where I was 15 and all of a sudden I felt tough. This is the first thing even close to like gangster rap because at the time I had been listening to Fresh Prince and Beastie Boys and... Uh, uh, well, no, I had Public Enemy, but that felt different. That doesn't really feel like gangster rap. It's political rap. Um, and then I had Third Base, and this is the first time I was like, oh, what's this new kind of really aggressive sound? And then after that, we get like Cypress Hill and stuff like that, where it was kind of normal Onyx. But, yeah, and yeah, it just, it, it was there, and I kind of went, you know, again, I like Jump Around. It's it's fun and silly and it and it just is entertaining and you just want to sit there and just just start throwing your fists and stuff and just yeah well and i, I actually think shamrocks and shenanigans the butch vig remix is the best song on this whatever um for the longest time though uh some of the lyrics confuse me and i'm just like do you just looking for words that rhyme because that doesn't really make sense because uh uh like the cartoon Boom Shalock Lock Boom. Well, there's no cartoon called Boom Shalock Lock Boom, so I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So you just wanted something <laughs> to jump into the chorus. Pretty much, yeah. Well, that that was an album. <laughs> yeah. Where can we find you online? I'm on Twitter at the moment uh, under musician M Y U Z I S H I O N. I'm trying to remember the lyrics. I'm sorry. I got stuck in my head. I know I never heard of you. Just because you heard of me, kid. Now you're doing the lifetime bid. Kick you in the dirt. Leave your ass for dead. Oh, something with the shovel in the shed. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm the 55 Cadillac King. It ain't no thing. The cargo ring. <laughs> I'm stuck in my head. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm embarrassed now. Uh, social medias, whatever. Just go to the podcast. Those, uh, share. Uh, you know, I keep saying I'm going to quit Twitter, but the goddamn world is in chaos and I need to support my friends, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to, it's hard to do the show, honestly. It's, uh, I thought about not doing it because I'm just so distraught and distracted. But what, what else are you supposed to do? Let it, it just, like, be miserable and just wallow in your hole? So we're trying to bring some joy. Um, 
donate to you know Planned Parenthood marches are everywhere uh, be safe when you go protest uh, seriously there's a line where you're you're asking don't block a highway okay uh, and be prepared you might get your ass arrested or beat so have a emergency contact number and some bail money ready uh, ACLU you know to fight for your uh, your rights taking them away from us uh, apparently day by day a new fucking thing just to hold together, everybody. Try be to be safe out there. Yeah, just try to try to beat this. Hold off the, the dark. I guess I don't want to go into the dark age, dude. I don't want. No. We need a new age of enlightenment for fuck's sake. Okay, uh, that's it. I don't want to get into melancholy, but everybody stay safe and uh, do what you can for each other. All right, bye. Later.